Praise the Lord. It's good to be together this Sunday morning. And um, I will tell you this, if something for, for some reason uh, the, the feed is cut off, it could be because the power goes because we do have a wintry storm or wintry mix uh, in our area. And uh, it's, it's going through to, to today through four o'clock in the afternoon. So um, hopefully God uh, uh, allows us to stay on here. And, not, uh, and protects the uh, electricity from going out in our area. So uh, just wanted to put that caveat out there. If you, if you lose uh, us, it's, it's probably because uh, something happened with the power and things like that. But other than that, I'm glad you're here. We're going to get right back into it. Last week we were together and I was sharing the vision for Manifest Church or, or the theme for this year, which was to live, fear, live fearlessly. And uh, we want to go back now to Ephesians chapter 6, and we want to go back in there. We're going to begin continuing our, our series, Be Prepared for the Battle. Uh, let's pray as we get ready to get into God's Word. Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness in our lives. I thank you for your love, your love that never fails, Lord. No matter, there's nothing in this world that can separate us from the love of Christ. And I thank you for that, Lord. And this morning, I just come, and, and with, with the saints here, we come and we worship and magnify you, Lord, because we know that your love is incredible. Your, the, the psalmist wrote, your love is better than life itself. And so, Lord, we thank you for the love that you bestowed upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning, we just come to glorify you. We come to lift you up. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you, Father, for sending the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us into all truth. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We ask that your power be manifested here in this church right here, that your power be manifested through the internet as, it, as the word is being proclaimed, and that your, your power be manifested through the uh, podcast later on this week as people listen. God, have your way. We ask these things in your name. Lord, I thank you for giving me the privilege to speak. And so, Lord, I ask you to make me competent. Lord, I'm not competent in myself. You make me competent. It is your grace that gives me the ability to proclaim the good news. And so, Lord, today as we dive into your word, speak to our hearts. May we, may we mix what we hear with faith, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So let's uh, turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. If you remember, we've been uh, talking about the armor of God, and we're going to go over <clears throat> some of the last parts of that. Uh, the last time we were together, I stopped at the helmet of salvation um, and let's just read real quick this, this chapter. It's not a very long chapter, but I want to, or this, uh, these verses. Let's just start with me in Ephesians chapter 6. We'll start in verse 10, just to kind of bring us back to speed of where we are. So it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. 
take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit in all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And so again, last week we were looking at the armor. We we're again reminding you we are in a spiritual battle. Uh, if you don't think so, I, you are, you're falling asleep and you're not in a good place spiritually. You need to understand as a, a Christian that we are in a battle. We are facing an enemy. And that enemy is not the flesh and blood that you're having issues with. That enemy is the God of this age, which is Satan. He is the little G of this age. He is the one who is controlling the, 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 uh, the world system and the way the world operates. He is in control of that. Yet he is given that by God in order for God to glorify himself even through this uh, uh, fallen angel, right? God is going to get the glory. And see, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Ain't that great news that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil? It's not like we're in a, we're in a kingdom that's, in, that, that has, that's impotent. We have a powerful kingdom. We, the Bible says that the, um, that the gates of Hades will not prevail against his church. We are the pillar of truth. God's people. And I'm not talking about a building or a church you attend. I'm talking about you, me, those who are born again of God's spirit. We're the church. We're the ecclesia. We're the called out ones, right? We're the ones who have been called out of darkness into his wonderful light. We have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the dear son he loves. We have been transferred from death to life. And we are now... Uh, in, a, in a kingdom that is moving forward. And the Bible says that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We, you and me, in Christ are more than conquerors. You may say, well, pastor, you know, I don't feel like a conqueror. I am, I am, I'm in pain. I'm suffering. I'm going through this. Let me tell you something. This is our victory, our faith. He is our victory. The Lord Jesus Christ is our victory. Remember his word, it says, he said to them, take heart for I overcame the world. In this world, you may, you're going to go through things, but take heart, I overcame the world. The Bible tells us that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. I know it may not seem that way in the natural, but you have to understand we have the victory. We can trust in him. We can hold fast to him. The Bible says that one day death is going to be swallowed up in victory. Death that has taken everything that we love, everything that we've held dear, Death will be swallowed up in victory because Jesus rose again. Amen. And that is our hope. That is our faith. We have, we have a sure foundation in him. We have, a, we have an inheritance that will not fade or be corrupted. Hallelujah. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so understanding that, <clears throat> we need to understand that we're in a battle. We need to understand that we're fighting in a spiritual battle. This is not a physical battle though there may be some battles that are physical around us and rumors of those battles and wars and things like that. But our battle is not against flesh and blood, it is against principalities and powers, as the Apostle Paul so eloquently puts here in Ephesians chapter 6. And this is where we need to be. So let's continue here. Last week we, we looked at the, the helmet of salvation, and I, I reminded you the importance of, of remembering that we have a, a great salvation given to us that 
It protects our minds when the enemy comes to discourage us. Can I tell you, <laughs> even though I may not be dealing with an illness or things like that, I want to tell you that Satan comes to discourage me. Just like he comes to discourage you, you might be ill, you might be going through something, you might be dealing with some, some persecution and things, and the enemy has come to bombard your mind to make you discouraged. Why? Because he wants to de uh, neutralize the threat. He doesn't want you to think outside of yourself. He wants you to think inwardly and woe is me and look what's happening in my life and look at what's... He, he doesn't want you to see uh, the Lord. He doesn't want you to, to step out and, and even in the midst of what you're going through to de declare the goodness of God, to declare as Job said, though he slay me, still I follow him. Amen. Though he slay me, still I believe, still I will worship and still I will glorify his name. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. And you know what? I know some people right now are going through things and they're doing that. They're worshiping the Lord and they're and, and in the temptation of just thinking of themselves, they still glorify God in the midst of the suffering. There are saints all around the world who are going through persecution, who are glorifying his name, even in the midst. Why? Because they know and they trust by faith they are more than conquerors, no matter the circumstances that, that they're in. And that helmet of salvation is guarding their heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Remember that. We talked about that, how that's important. And we, we, we talked about how Satan, he, one of his ways is tactics is to attack our minds. Uh, Revelation 12, 10 says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. There's coming a day when the accuser of the brethren, when the accuser, Satan, that great serpent, will be cast and hurled down into the lake of fire forever and forevermore. No longer to bring accusations and to, and to bring all kinds of uh, things against God's people. And so we I just wanted to remind you of that the helmet of salvation in your life is so important. Reminding you of the great salvation you had. Keep your eyes focused on that. How that, that this is not the end. That, that even in our, you know, even in the things that we're going through, this momentary afflictions that we're going through, do not begin to compare to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I want you to remember that, that nothing that you're facing right now, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. It will not begin to compare to the glory that's going to be revealed. And we got to hold fast to that. We got we to gotta hold to our Lord, even in the midst of the storm, we hold fast to him because he's faithful. And, and by, by putting that in our minds, we remember of our great salvation. So let's go now to taking the sword of the spirit. This is important. So if you know a sword is an offensive weapon, is meant to attack your adversary uh, in order to neutralize the threat. You, you know, an enemy's coming and you need a way to protect yourself. And so God has given us the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We're not defenseless. We have the ability to fight back our enemy, to, to overcome our enemy through the word of God. What a powerful thing. The Holy Spirit using the word of God to fight. Why? Because the enemy, uh, he, he wants to stop. He wants to neutralize the threat and he'll come against us. And, and I don't know about you, but haven't you noticed in your life one of the greatest areas of battle is to keep you from the word of God, to keep you from coming to the word of God, sitting down daily before it, allowing the word of God to enter your mind and your spirit 
and to begin to meditate upon God's word, the enemy comes to distract you with all kinds of things that keep you from worshiping him, from, from keeping you from the word of God, because the word of God is your offensive weapon to protect yourself and to fend off the enemy. And where does he come to attack the word of God? He doesn't want you to be in the word of God. He doesn't want the word of God in your mind and your heart. Some people say, well, I don't understand the word of God, man. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. That's his role in your life as a Christian. The Holy Spirit has come to lead you and guide you into all truth. He is the great counselor. If you would come and humble yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, teach me, show me as I read your word, speak to my heart, help me to memorize your word and, and hide it within my heart. Remember the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, he said, how does a young man keep his way pure? By hiding the word of God in his heart. And can I tell you, if you don't hide the word of God in your heart, you're not going to have the means to be able to fend off the enemy when he comes with his attacks. This is why he wants to neutralize the threat. He wants to keep Christians from the word of God. He also wants to censor the word of God. He also, you know, as in these platforms that we're in, we're here for a while. And, uh, and, and there can be a time where you might come up and you'll see Pastor Danny's channel on YouTube or Facebook has been canceled. Why? Because the enemy wants to censor the word of God. Why? Because his word is truth. Amen. Jesus said in, in John 17, thy word is truth. And when Jesus came into the world, it says, I came when he stood before Pilate, Pontius Pilate, when he stood before him, he said, I came to testify to the truth. And so when the truth is being proclaimed, the enemy wants to censor it. It wants to take it away because it's not in line with the spirit of the age. It's not in line with the, the God of this age and what he's trying to do to deceive and, and to thwart God's plan. But nothing can thwart the plan of God. Nothing can keep the gospel from people. They may cancel you here, but they, they're not going to cancel you when you're talking to people on the street, whatever it is. Uh, and so while we're on here, we need to proclaim the truth. Why? Because the truth is what sets people free. Remember, Jesus said, and then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You can't be freed with lies. You can only be freed with the truth. And praise God, truth is a person. Amen. Jesus Christ, he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Him. So if you want to know the truth, you come to Him. You come to the, the author of truth. You come to Jesus. And Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the way. Amen. He is the life. If you turn to Him, He'll, he'll give you truth. And He'll expose the, uh, the lies of the enemy in your life. See, He wants to keep Christians from being a threat to His kingdom, Satan. He doesn't want... Christians to be in the word of God because then you're a threat. But once you know the word of God, you're a threat to his kingdom because you're going to share his word with people. You're going to declare the good news of Jesus Christ. You're going to proclaim the gospel. You're going to make disciples of people. You're going to teach them the word of God. You know, so, you know, one of the things sometimes I, I, I you know, I can understand the writer of Hebrews when he, when he, in chapter five, he was talking to, to some supposedly seasoned Christians. He says, you know, by now you ought to be teachers. But we have to go back with you to the basic elementary teachings of the Bible, of the Word of God, because you, you're not growing. You're not maturing in your faith. How many of you here in this room or, or maybe watching or listening later, you've been a Christian for a long time. When have you discipled someone to know Christ? When have you 
put that time to make a disciple. You do, you're not doing it. Why? Because sometimes uh, people just live as, as attenders. They just come and they, they sit down. They let the pastor preach and teach. No, man, you've got to seek the Lord for yourself and, and praise God for the fellowship. Praise God for the community of God, the God's community, the fellowship of believers as we come together and we have pastors and teachers who teach us. And their role is to help and equip the saints for works of ministry. So the goal isn't for you to listen to a nice sermon today. My goal here is that when you hear this word, that you will be able to take it and equip yourself for the work of ministry this week so that you can minister to other people around you. God, it doesn't matter how you speak. It doesn't matter how eloquent. You, you know what? You're, in the, you're the right candidate. You can, you, you, the Bible is, is, is clear. It's not about us. It's about him and his power. And if you wake up every morning and you put, you put on the full armor of God, you surrender yourself to the Lord, you put on his full armor and you say, Lord, speak through me today. Help me to be a blessing. Help me to be someone who ministers to other people as I see them. Help me to be sensitive to what the Spirit of God is saying and to see where you're working, Lord, so that I can join you in that work. Amen. Jesus would say it. Remember, we were going through the book of John. Jesus said, I wouldn't do anything I don't see my father doing. Well, how can you know what the Father's doing if you don't spend time with the Father, if you don't spend time in prayer and in the Word of God? And that's what the enemy wants, to keep you from that. Did you know in John 16, 8, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit, because it's the sword of the Spirit, this is why the enemy wants to censor the Word of God. Look at what it does. Look at what the Holy Spirit does when the Word of God is proclaimed. In John 16, 8, it says, And when He has come... He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Man, people don't want to hear the truth. They don't want that. Why? Because, man, it's going to bring a conviction. It's going to cause someone to really think about where they are and to really consider where they're going to spend eternity, to really consider whether they know God or not. Amen. It's going to create a, a conviction of the heart showing that, man, they're not living for God. They're not living in the right, in the right way with God. But thank God for our Lord Jesus Christ that if they will repent and believe on him, the Lord Jesus, they can enter the kingdom. They can come from that place into a fellowship with God, into a relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. Uh, he does this by the spoken word, right? As I was saying, look at what Hebrews 4.12 tells us about the word of God. And, and, and you, this is a familiar passage. You've been a Christian long enough. You know this scripture. You've heard it before. You've heard pastors preach on it. Front side, back side. I want to remind you of this scripture, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the, the, uh, to the vision of, the, of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and it is a discover, uh, discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Man, God's word cuts through all the phoniness in our lives, man. <laughs> you, you guys, sometimes you may say, oh, man, you know, my kids here or some man, my dad is, you know, but you know something when I get in the word of God, it cuts my heart and it goes to where I'm where, you know, when you try to make excuse. Well, Lord, I'm kind of like, no, God's word just goes right to where it needs to go and cuts through all the, the fluff in our life. Right. And brings about a transformation. If we allow him to. But the thing is, when do you get in his word? Does your does your Bible collect dust throughout the week? Do you only open it up when we get together? That shouldn't be, man. God has given us his word to encourage and edify us, man. You're, you're doing a disservice to your life by not coming to his word daily. 
and the enemy knows it and he wants you to stay in that condition because you'll be you'll be ineffective. You will not be prepared for the battle that's a, that's raging right in front of your face. Uh, we can we can see our Savior do this. I want to take you over there to Matthew chapter four for a second. I'm trying to move quickly here. Matthew 20, uh, Matthew chapter four. If you remember, Jesus was. Uh, he had just been baptized and now he's going to enter uh, the spirit of God is going to lead him into a time of fasting. I want you to see this. Go with me to Matthew again, Matthew chapter four. And we're going to start in verse one. It says, then Jesus will led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to a holy city and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the, uh, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. Man, do you see the Lord because he is the word incarnate, right? Do you see how he how the enemy came to try like he did in the garden with Adam and Eve, the first Adam, when he when he deceived them by twisting the word of God by did God really say that if you eat, you're going to die? Did he really say that? No, no. God really just doesn't want you to be like him. And he begins to create in us uh, he, the same. The tempter comes to try to deceive us, to try to twisted do you notice he didn't use some uh some some book from somewhere else no he quoted the scripture to jesus christ he's quoted the word of god yet he quoted it out of context in a way to deceive and to thwart and many people are doing that today we talked about this why we need the shield of faith to keep us from false teaching right we talked about that uh, a few weeks ago and again here's the enemy what he does he's speaking his native tongue he's a liar and he's been lying from the beginning and Satan is lying to us, he, he, and he wants to keep you from the truth. So remember uh, that the Word of God is the, what, what is going to set people free. Uh, I'm going to try to move here quickly. Let's move on, and let's go, on to, uh, get, let's go back to Ephesians 6. I want to show you this other essential piece of putting on the full armor of God. And maybe you never thought about it like this when you were reading this passage with prayer is essential to being fully clothed, fully prepared for the battle. Notice here in um, verses 18 through 20, he says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests.
Uh, if you remember what Jesus told the disciples in this for us today as well, he told them in John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. See, without Christ, we can't do anything. Without prayer and being connected to the Lord in prayer, our armor will be useless to us because prayer is what empowers the armor. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Coming to the Lord in prayer and praying in all occasion, praying in the spirit in all occasion empowers us. See, when someone prays, it, it causes us, we, we, in prayer, we humble ourselves before the Lord and we submit our lives to do his will. When you and I come into to a time of prayer with the Lord in intimacy with him, we close our door and we're just with God in prayer alone with him. We submit ourselves. We do what Jesus did, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. And we submit ourselves to his will. We, we align ourselves with what he is saying for us to do of, of that day. And then power comes in our lives to be able to do this. He tells us to pray in the spirit in all occasions. You see, I believe, according to scripture, that God has given believers a prayer language. I believe uh, it is a language we do not understand, but only God understands. And I want to I know that there are those in Christendom that uh, have may see things differently, may see that that is uh, uh, no longer of today. And, um, and, and uh, they may be cessationists and they may believe in a different manner. And that, that's, that's fine with me in the sense of uh, it is not an essential thing to be a Christian. It is a non-essential thing. But as a pastor, I want to teach the people that God has had me shepherd over. I want to teach them what I believe the scripture is telling us here as we look at it today. I'm going to show you what the word of God says concerning speaking in tongues and, and I'm not talking about speaking in tongues uh, uh, concerning what happened in Acts chapter 2. I'm talking about a prayer language that only God understands. That when we pray in this unknown tongue, we are praying to the Lord. And I want to show you some of these things in the scripture. And again, there are many reasons for, for why there are those in, in, in different denominations within, our, within the Christ, Christian world that may not believe that for themselves, they may not agree with that, or they may teach that none of this is for today. And um, I don't, I don't want to go into all the reasons why they do that, because I don't have time. But again, these are things that are, are that way. But I want to show you what this, what I want to show what you what the, to show you what the scripture says about these things. Um, and I also want to say something before we continue. When I say that, you know, there are those in, in the Christendom that don't, don't believe this, um, I don't say that in an attitude to be uh, mean towards them or to think that I'm better or anything like that or anyone that believes what I'm believing is better or more of this. No, that's, that's immaturity. That's not what it's about. What, I, what we do need to know is that we need to, to look at the Word of God. The Bible tells us we're to come to the Word and to look it out and study it out and look for it. So I want to teach what God's word says. And um, I, I totally respect what someone else may believe concerning that. But I want to teach you as God's people in this house what we believe according to the spirit of God. And so I want you to see here in Romans chapter 8. I want you to take you here. I want you to see this with me. Romans chapter 8. And we're going to be looking at verses 26 and 27. It says here. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 27, it says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Isn't that awesome to know that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness? Do you know, as natural people, uh, we, we don't always know what to pray. We don't, we don't know certain things, but there are times when, when we don't know in our understanding what to pray. The Spirit uh, creates groans with us that are un, they're not words that are understandable. And um, He helps us within our weakness. We see um, here that He helps us. And the weakness that I, that I believe here is the fact that we're just not Again, we're we're still in, in, in this side of eternity. We have not yet been uh, perfected as what is going to happen. Amen. And so we are still dealing with certain natural things that are against us. And yet we have the Holy Spirit who helps us in our weakness. Why? Because our weakness is that we, we don't always know what to pray and what we should pray at times. And so we need the Holy Spirit in our lives to, to help us in that moment. And you know what he does? The Spirit intercedes for us with wordless groans. Matter of fact, because it's the Holy Spirit, you know when, he, when he's praying through us, when he is doing that through us, that the, the Bible says that he is praying with in accordance with the will of God. How many of you would like to know that when you pray, you're praying in accordance with the will of God? Well, that happens through the Spirit. And again, why? Because God knows the mind of the Spirit. It's His Spirit. Amen? So, again, I wanted you to see that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with wordless groans. And these groans, are, are He is praying in accordance with the will of God. And so, this is available to God's people. We see the Holy Spirit working. I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's look at verses 1 through 4 for a minute. And, and we're going to continue here. It says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophesy, prophesying. Or, excuse me, prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening and encouraging and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So I want to stop there for a minute. I want you to see what we saw here, and, and very important. You know, as Christians, we, we, we should not be satisfied where we are. I, I find that I meet Christians, they're satisfied with where they are and maybe what they know, right? They're, they're, they, they, they want to create God in this box and stay in this safe place. But really, the, the Apostle Paul tells us here, follow the way of love. Man, when, when you're operating in the gifts of the Spirit, the number one key to operate in that is love. Why? Because our Father is love. It's not about you. It's not about, oh, look what I can do. No, no, it's not about that. That's, that's not operating in love. Uh, we need to understand that. But... Knowing that, understanding the role, that's why he put chapter 13 there and, uh, you know, it's the love chapter. But that really in context, he puts it there so that we can understand that when we're operating in the gifts, we need to be operating and flowing in the gifts of the spirit, operating in the love of God. That it is love is the way. Amen. 
Why? Because what I'm doing, if I'm not doing it in love, if I'm doing it out of selfish ambition or whatever the case may be, I'm a sounding gong, right? I'm, uh, there's no point to it because it's not going to be done in a proper way. You're actually going to hurt people. You're going to confuse people. But that's not the way of this. The way is love. And he says, eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially to prophesy. So how many of you, especially prophecy, how many of you are right now, right here in this room, how many are eagerly desiring spiritual gifts? You're probably not. You're just content with where you are. But God doesn't want you to be content. You know, Friday night we were in our uh, in, uh, Xbox party chat and, and one of my, uh, I think it was, or maybe it was last night, and, and one of my friends in there, he, he mentioned something to remind people, that uh, to remind uh, these young people or people who are on here who are Christians not to be satisfied where they are. And I think that's important as a believer. We don't know everything. We're continuing to learn of the Lord. And as we come to His Word, humbling ourselves and not having presuppositions, but really allowing the Word of God to, to teach us and uh, humbling ourselves and saying, Holy Spirit, you are never going to lead me into false things. You're going to lead me into the truth. Show me what your Word says. And so as we look at His Word, we see that. So again, we see that the Spirit... So then he goes on, he says, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does speak this soul. So I want to I stop for a minute. This language is it's not a language that's understandable. And I, I want to kind of break something here. If you remember in Acts chapter 2, when the Bible, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples at that time, it said that tongues of fire were over their heads, right? And, and, and they began to speak in tongues, Correct. Well, if you translate that in the Greek, it's speaking, and it's the same word here, it's speaking about languages, right? So you, sometimes you see in translations, it says they spoke languages, different languages, right? And so I think when you're studying the Bible, I know this to be true, you come to it and you have to, in order to translate that same thought, it has to make sense with the context and the grammar of the writer and what the intent of the writer is. And a lot of times, People will say, well, see, because it says that here, that's what it is. So every time someone speaks in tongues is a known language that must be interpreted. Not all the time. Now, when you're in a congregation of believers and you go and speak in tongues before the congregation, it better be a, be a language that can be interpreted so that it edifies those who are listening. I don't want to get into that, but you'll see that in chapter 14. Just keep reading it. You'll see it. Just open your, your book, open the word of God, and you'll see it there. But my point here is to say that in Acts, yes, we see if you read in context, it was other languages because the Jews from all, all over the world that were coming because, you know, this was their time to come and, and, and offer up their sacrifices in, in Jerusalem. They said they heard these people declaring the mysteries of God in their own language. So we can see that there. But I want you to see in context here, it's a little di different because uh, you need to understand that it's, it, you, you can't just um, take one thing and just say, okay, this is what, because it says it here, that's the same meaning over here. Remember, words have different meanings within a context of being spoken in. And so we have to look at that. And that's proper hermeneutics. That's properly going to the Word of God and really looking at what's before, what's after it, and all those things. So a little side note for your little class there. But I want to show you this right here. Um, they, it says here, um, in, uh, in, in, uh, in verse four, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. 
So it says they're talking, uh, they're not talking to people when they were in there in the, this particular prayer language. We're talking about prayer language. And, and when they are speaking in this tongue, it is not known to people, but to God. And when they're praying in this manner, it doesn't edify other people around them. It's edifying themselves, okay? But because, he says, but prophecy um, edifies the church. Why? Because you're going to speak, when you prophesy, you're speaking intelligible words that people understand, okay? So this is important because if you're starting to read the context here, it's not the same understanding of, of, of what we found in, in the book of Acts where they were saying, well, I heard it in my alone, the, our, like, like they were uh, Jewish people from Syria and they heard it in the language that they were living in at that time, whatever it is. That's not what this is saying here because he just said it's something unknown. I want you to go on here with me. Look at um, uh, verse 14. For I pray, this is Paul writing, for, I, if, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? Look what he says. I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. And look at verse 4. This is the reason. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen? To your thanksgiving. So in other words, when you are praying, these are all to pray in the spirit, right? Pray in all occasions, pray in the spirit. There are moments where it's like it's not for it's not for people. It's for you and you're communicating to God and your your prayer is being aligned with the will of God in accordance to his will. And again, it's going to sound like gibberish to the other person. Why? Because they can't understand you. And, and so this is what happens. So speaking in tongue only edifies the one is, who is speaking. Uh, when you are praying in tongues, your spirit prays and your mind is unfruitful, meaning you don't understand what you're praying. Why? Because it is an act of faith and you're praying in the spirit. And, and God, as we saw in Romans chapter 8, the spirit of God is praying in accordance with the will of God. Okay? And, and so he goes on to a couple things here because he, he talks about that. Then he moves into how, why it's important when you're doing this, when this happens in a congregation. Like right now, if we were to, we're, I'm preaching right now, somebody stood up and started speaking in tongues. If they did not have an interpretation that would be uh, a known language for us to understand, then they would need to sit down and not speak. Why? Because they will create confusion because no one can say amen to what they're saying because they don't know what they're saying. Amen. So this is important. So I, I need you to understand that as God's people, that God wants us to pray. And so let's continue. I'm going to finish up right here. Um, so that's it for that. I just wanted to kind of break that down a little bit for you. Let's move on. So as we go back to Ephesians uh, chapter six uh, there in, in, in verse 18, he says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So when we pray in the spirit, we're to pray. And I love how one commentator puts it. I, I want to read it to you. David Cusick writes this. He says, we should use every kind of prayer we can think of. Group prayer, individual prayer, silent prayer, shouting prayer, uh, walking prayer, kneeling prayer, eloquent prayer, groaning prayer, constant prayer, fervent prayer. Just pray. Amen. That's what the Apostle Paul is telling us. Man, just pray. Be ready. Always pray for people. 
Pray for God's people. Look at there, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Man, how many, how many of us take time and, and we're, we're, we're offering all types of prayers, all kinds of ways for God's people? You know, so much, we're so selfish in nature, right, that we just pray about ourselves. It's all about us. But man, God wants you to be an intercessor. God wants you to pray for others. He wants you to offer up supplications, all types of prayers for, for yourself, for your children, for, for your friends, your co-workers, for, for other Christians around the world, for everything that is going. God wants us to be people who pray on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers. Amen. We pray in the spirit. We pray in the, in the understanding. We pray in all ways. We pray. We come together as a corporate body to pray. Whatever we pray. Why? Because prayer is what causes us to, to align ourselves with the will of God and it brings heaven to earth. Man, what an awesome privilege you and I have. In the Lord's Prayer, remember, it says, Our Father who art in heaven. Man, what a relationship we have. Right in the first sentence of that prayer, Our Father. He's Abba to us. Amen. God wants to hear from you. If you're his child, he wants to hear from you. He wants you to pray. He cares about your things, but he also wants you to be like his son and intercede and pray for other people. We see this um, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. We're to pray, pray without ceasing. You know that, oh man, well, pastor, everywhere I go, I'm, no, no, you have an attitude of prayer wherever you are that you ask God, you inquire of the Lord. Maybe you're at work and something tough is going on and, and, and you're, trying to, you're trying to see how to figure it out. What a perfect time to pray, Lord. Please show me where, where, I, where I've gone wrong here or how I can fix this or God, please bring to my memory. Whatever. You are in, you're in an attitude of prayer. You're going and you're dependent upon God to answer. And you know what? He'll listen and he'll hear and he'll answer because he's faithful. And sometimes he'll answer us in the ways that we aren't looking for it. Okay? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, I, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Isn't that awesome? God wants us to be praying all the time. And it goes on, pray for your, your leaders, and all, uh, like especially those in government authority and all that kind of stuff. Keep on reading that and you'll see. But, but the point here is that we're to be those who are praying. Christians ought to be praying people. So I want to encourage you to do that. So with that being said, let's end with this. Let's pray. I want, to, I want to pray for you. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. Thank you for speaking to our hearts this morning. Lord, we, I know there are people right here in this room, those who are watching and may, listen later, may be listening later, Lord, that this has hit home with them. And I pray for them, Father, that they would humble themselves before your mighty hand, that they would pick up the word of God, and eat of your word, because man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This is your word to us, Lord. And I pray you would give them a hunger and a desire to know your word, to understand it. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that they would understand, give them understanding, give them clarity. Help them to, when they open up the scriptures, that you would make the scriptures come alive to them, Lord. Because the scriptures testify of you, Jesus. And we thank you for that, Lord. May the word of God be something they treasure in their life and that they look to daily. Lord, I also pray that they would commit themselves to pray in the spirit in all occasions with all kinds of prayers. 
and supplications, with all kinds of requests. God coming to you, knowing that you, your ears attentive to the, to the cry of the righteous. You're listening. You want to hear from us, Lord. And Lord, you also uh, told a parable of, uh, uh, to, to, to encourage people to keep on praying and not giving up in prayer. Because you are righteous and you're going to give us the response, Lord. But it's in your time and help us to wait patiently in, on you, to trust you in the midst of what we're facing. Why, Lord? Because your peace is with us. We can hold fast to you, Lord. Your word is true and let every man be a liar. We can trust you, Lord, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of what we're facing. Lord, your word says that we've been, we have been, uh, we've, we've not only been um, given the ability to uh, glory, uh, walk in victory with you, but we've also been given the privilege to suffer with you. And so help us to understand that, Lord. Help us to glorify you uh, in, the, in our bodies and give us courage through, as we surrender our hearts to you. I pray for someone today that might be listening. They say, man, I've been convicted. I don't know Jesus. I, Pastor, I've been listening, but I really feel like God is calling me. That I, I'm not where I need to be. And Man, I want to tell you today, the Bible says if you repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. If you would repent toward God, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. The Bible says if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. He said anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't matter where you are. You could be in your car. You could be watching in your living room. You could be wherever. You can just stop right now, kneel before the Lord and cry out to him and confess your sin to him and say, Lord, forgive me for what I've done. And I ask you to cleanse me of it, Lord. And I, I, I confess Jesus as my Lord today. And I believe that God raised him from the dead. I believe in Christ today. And Lord, give me your spirit that I may walk with you. And God will do it. Trust in him today. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you and we'll see you next time. Uh, we love you. Thank you.